Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good to be back in uh, New York, which is uh, always really a pleasure to be here, uh, getting over the Comic-Con hangover, uh, getting back to being in New York, getting back to the weather, which is okay compared to San Diego, is not as great, but uh, welcome to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week. We uh, talk about comics, movies, TV, pop culture, um, and uh, pretty much everything. And the biggest, I don't know, hub of pop culture that was, was this past weekend. Uh, New York Comic Con is actually a very close second. So for anybody who is um, at all, you know, jealous that they weren't able to get to San Diego, to be honest with you, uh, San Diego is great. Um, and New York is not, is not very far behind. Uh, so we're going to be given a really great... Uh, recap of everything that was. I was broadcasting live. If you caught me last week, then you actually saw me from the Zenoscope booth. If you can tell the hint of tired in my voice, it's still three days after I've gotten back, and it's still, boy, oh boy, I am still just catching up, which is always a, uh, a, fun, a fun thing to do uh, when you're trying to get excited about things. But let's start, before we do anything, and let's do our sponsors. Let's do our our run of the mill. Let's go through everything here. We're sponsored by the Plan 10 Kickstarter. Now, before we do anything more, let me talk about Plan 9 from Outer Space. Plan 9 from Outer Space was a 1959 Ed Wood classic. And uh, it bombed. Like, it bombed, like, historically in, uh, in theaters and whatever. And it became this cult classic. Now, Plan 10 Kickstarter is actually bombing just as bad as the movie. Uh, we are possibly the worst Kickstarter that has ever been done. We're just, we're getting media. Uh, as always, I have my trusty engineer here, Sam, and anybody who's joining us on Periscope or uh, Facebook uh, streaming, facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire, uh, can actually get a little peek inside the studio as we do this. We are getting, Sam, we are getting media like you've ne I've never gotten before with any other project, and yet I've had run two successful Kickstarters before, and this one's not even close. Like, it is going to just, it is going to implode in and of itself. Like, it's, it's amazing. So we are, we are actually taking after the initial uh, movie itself. So in a way, I'm very proud. I'm very proud to c carry on the legacy of Plan 9 and how badly Plan 9 did. Uh, the only problem is we don't actually make the graphic novel without the Kickstarter support. So there is that Catch-22. It's kind of like, hey, awesome, we're bombing too, which means our book will become a cult classic, um, except it will not get made. So anybody out there who is looking for Plan 10 from Outer Space... Go to kickstarter.com, type in Plan 10, T-E-N. Uh, you should be able to come up and get our, uh, uh, our Kickstarter up there. I think we're 15% of the way funded with a week to go. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a week to go, baby. Week to go. But that, that's okay. We're going to start launching a campaign next week of just how badly our Kickstarter is going. Uh, welcome to everyone that joined in. Uh, we have a lot of people. Again, we do this every week. Comics, movies, TV, music, pop culture. Uh, we're live 8 o'clock Eastern, TalkingAlternative.com. Uh, last week I was at Comic-Con, and last week was a, uh, just an extraordinary um, week. It was an extraordinary show. It was, uh, you know, the usual, uh, the usual craziness, or so I thought. And that's kind of what we're going to start off with today. Um, Comic-Con 2016 was a different show than it's been in years past. Now, I went with uh, my usual convention partner and I. We usually split tables, split costs. You know, we had our own table. We had our, our booth and small press. That's not really what I was concerned with when I was going out there. I was, I was going out there with the intention of really networking, getting the show out there, meeting new guests, and really connecting with a large Hollywood presence. The other thing about Comic-Con that's kind of 
usual um, is the fact that you shouldn't be able to walk the floor because there's such a huge Hollywood presence. In this particular case, my personal interpretation and a lot of people around us, you could walk. Like if I had to get up during any, any of the time that I was at my booth and get a sandwich, I could get a sandwich. If I needed to go up, by the way, Cafe Express, some fantastic salads. I had a great, I had this Baja chicken salad, only eight bucks. And, and for, you know, to be honest with you, right, for convention center, for concession stands, for any of that stuff, eight bucks for a salad, not highway robbery. So in that regard, excellent job, Comic-Con, Cafe Express, way to go. But I could get up. I could tell my partner, hey, I'm going to go take a walk real quick. I'm going to walk the show floor. Comic-Con, you're not supposed to be able to walk the show floor. You're supposed to be jam-packed in a claustrophobic nightmare where there are just people all around you clawing and running. Now, there was a few. I mean, when the show would open up, and we actually broadcast, again, I mentioned that before, we broadcast live last week, and we did have some people running for certain exclusives. There were pockets of traffic. There were areas, the Marvel booth, the DC booth, uh, the Funko booth. The Funko stuff was like the big exclusive of the weekend. It was like these little dolls uh, that are basically like beanie babies, but I don't know. That was like the big, big thing uh, at Comic-Con this time around. And But meanwhile, again, like you shouldn't be able to walk anywhere on the show floor. And in this particular case, I was able to walk everywhere on the show floor. And to me, that was like just, just crazy because I've never experienced a Comic-Con where I am, I'm able to just free float and do whatever I want. Normally, it is you know, butt up against butt, smell up against smell. I mean, just smells actually kind of like fighting against each other, creating like, like third-party mutation smells that you know, may or may not you know, cause bodily harm to people like, I, but in this particular case, no. And, and Sam and I were actually talking, Sam's my engineer. This is a weekly radio show on talkingalternative.com. You know, normally speaking, it's jam packed because all the studios are there. All the studios weren't quite there. I mean, you had a lot of announcements. Don't get me wrong. You had your usual hall. H was still packed. Um, if you follow me on Instagram at Michael, uh, sorry, M Dolce 64, um, and if you follow me on Twitter, at Michael underscore Dolce, then you saw photos that I was tweeting out and I was releasing as it, as it happened, people camping out overnight to be part of the Hall H madness. Uh, but there wasn't that buzz because not only that now, around the convention center has grown to such a point where all of these studios now are actually just booking lots around the studio. It's probably actually cheaper. They probably go through the city. They probably get a better deal than maybe being on the show floor itself. Um, my small press table was not very uh, expensive. However, if we wanted to upgrade to what I what we normally have, which is a 10 by 10 booth, it would have went from $500 to $3,000. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an astronomical jump that happens. So you could only imagine what a 20 by 20 booth on the floor is. And some of these people take up, you know, 40 by 40 spaces they have you know, second tiers and second levels. So in that regard, very, very strange. The buzz around the show, you know, again, maybe they're just running it better. Maybe that's it. Maybe just organization-wise, everything was run better. Maybe they've finally gotten the ship tightened to the point where, you know, you're not bumping up against each other. Or maybe the attractions just weren't there. You know, we're going to go into the awesomeness that was. There was a lot of great stuff in that. We're going to tackle that in the second segment. Um, we also have actor Kevin Bacon alongside his uh, brother Michael, who uh, I was fortunate enough to interview for the Bacon Brothers. And they're going to be on the show uh, in the third segment of today as well. But before we get to those trailers, before we get to all that, just going through what, uh, you know, actually was going on. Again, that buzz 
Fox wasn't there as a studio. Disney wasn't there as a studio. Uh, Sam had just asked me, hey, what did they say about Star Wars? Not, not very much, to be honest with you, which is surprising considering Rogue One's coming out in December. Um, again, Marvel did their big thing, but even, even Marvel, I mean, you know, some of the trailers that they released, um, you know, they had some scenes with Doctor Strange. They had Tilda Swinton there. They had uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was there. So, I mean, they, look, they have the guests. The Guardians of the Galaxy 2 cast, Chris Pratt was there. Uh, Ch- um, uh, what is it? Chadwick Boseman, who plays Black Panther, was there. I mean... Look, they had, they basically ruled the kingdom there, though, because quite frankly, there was nothing else diverting people's attention away from the Marvel and DC booth. Uh, it, you know, it's funny, as comic book creators, we kind of sometimes lament, we say, oh, Comic-Con, it used to be about the comics now, it's about the movies, and, and oh, I can't wait for it to be just a comic book show again. Well, to be honest with you, I've been to comic book shows, I go to comic book shows, uh, New York Comic Con is actually a great blend of both comics and movies. Uh, San Diego, I kind of go there for the for the Hollywood flair, I go there for the parties, I go there for... You know, I mean, obviously, there's great networking. I have a funny story I'll tell you in the last segment how I, I ended up um, chatting with the Lights Out screen director, uh, screenwriter. Sorry, not screen director. See, it's that Comic-Con hangover that's uh, got its arms gripped around me. But uh, And look, there are great encounters. There are great uh, circumstances going on. There are great situations, parties. Um, the interview we did with, at Zenoscope was fantastic. So if you guys check out last week's show, we did it right from there. They got a lot of great stuff going on. So it was good. It just, it, it was good. You know, and, and it wasn't it wasn't like off the wall. And uh, my partner again, who I, I go to conventions with, and we're doing the kick the Plan Ten Kickstarter together. You know, even he said he's like, I don't expect this for Comic Con. He had high, lofty expectations. I mean, I've been to this is maybe my sixth or seventh one. Um, I went back as far as 2002, um, where I was independent. I was selling uh, what ultimately became The Sire in a book called Crossfire. So I've done the selling there. This is the first time since then I've done that, uh, where I was actually at a booth. I didn't have high expectations for sales. Generally speaking, people go to, go to Comic-Con, they're, they're looking, they're browsing. I mean, they're looking at all the cool stuff. I did expect a lot of Hollywood guys to walk around and look for the next big property. I didn't get that. Uh, I definitely was at the booth long enough. Uh, we did get that. I did get at least one person saying, I'm from so-and-so. But the thing is, I got at least three people in 2002 who were, I'm from so-and-so. Now, again, it didn't materialize into anything. But you're just looking, look, I'm looking to throw darts against the wall. I'm looking to connect to these kind of people. They weren't there. Like, I just, you know, that was my impression, and that was the impression a lot of us on the floor got. Now, doesn't mean it stunk. Doesn't mean it was bad. It was actually really, really cool. It was a great show, as it always is. It just felt, it just didn't have that same like over-the-top enthusiasm. But there were some really great highlights. Uh, Marvel and DC, we mentioned the two of them. Marvel and DC definitely owned, they owned, their booths own the convention floor. Um, before I get into what they did, and, and we're going to get more into the second segment when I do it, but uh, again, uh, Adult Swim actually set up an entire carnival outside the convention center. South Park had the life-size South Park town, and you could actually sit on the giant hairy balls um, and take a picture there. I mean, it was amazing. Like, things like that are still amazing. They're always amazing, and, and I, you know, I love, I love seeing that kind of stuff. So it's not as if nothing was going on. Um, Mary Shannon Human just commented, nice shirt. I am wearing my Duff shirt. For anybody out there, this is courtesy of uh, Joe Paoli. This was a gift he got in Italy, actually. So, best friend of mine, they went on a honeymoon, and he got this. Like he comes back, he's like, "Yeah, I came back from my honeymoon, and I've got, I got a gift for you." I was like, "Oh, awesome! Like that's really cool." It was a duff. Apparently, Italians go nuts for anything Simpsons. 
So, yes, it's my, or it's, it, depending if you're foreign, it's the doof shirt. Um, but either way, yeah, so we, um, we definitely, uh, you know, there were so many attractions outside the show that I think that it, it drew from the actual show floor. I think that the actual show floor, and again, I think it's almost a reflection of summer 2016. What's the big song of the summer? Uh, I don't know. Could you name the big song of the summer? Can you name the big movie of the summer? Star Trek Beyond did, did well. Uh, Ghostbusters, depending on who you ask. Um, if you ask me, it did, it did not do well. Sony, though, is like, no, it's okay. It's doing okay. You know, that didn't do great. You had Civil War, but that was back in May. You had Batman v Superman. That was back in March. I mean, you don't have this, like, over-the-top thing happening. Now, Ghost in the Shell... Um, from Paramount, was supposed to be there, and they pulled last minute. Yeah, they're doing a Ghost in the Shell. They're doing a Ghost in the Shell live action. That's Sam, yeah, Sam, who is um, actually from the Media Blasters family, so he's an anime guy. Uh, I did meet the writer from Sailor Moon, so I'm going to hopefully have her on the show in the next couple weeks, uh, or one of the writers, I should say. So, yeah, just overall, again, you know, send me your thoughts. If you were actually at Comic-Con, I would love to hear your thoughts. Again, we're streaming live on Facebook, facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. S-E-C-R-E-T-S-O-F-S-I-R-E. We're also streaming on Periscope, at Michael underscore Dolce. And that's D-O-L-C-E. Send me your thoughts. I want to know. If you were at Comic-Con, let me know what you thought. If you had any questions about what went on at Comic-Con, send them my way. Coming up next, though, we're going to talk about the winners. And it's I, I can't believe I'm saying this. It's a DC winner. Like, we're actually loving on DC tonight because they knocked it out of the park when we return. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century, Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week on TalkingAlternative.com, talking movies, comics, uh, TV, music, you name it. We have a great guest on tonight, which is actor Kevin Bacon. He's going to be joined by his brother. He's going to be uh, airing the interview that I did with them uh, for AM New York. You can actually go on SecretsOfTheSire.com, and you could uh, take a little preview snippet of the interview, and then we have the interview in full, and we'll be doing it in the next segment. But we're talking Comic-Con. Uh, we're, we're talking basically how... Comic-Con, to me, felt a little different than it normally does. Normally, Comic-Con is this over-the-top extravaganza. 
and in this particular case, it just it just wasn't. It just was. It was just a little flat. But that doesn't mean everything was flat, and there was some really cool stuff. So, enough with the bad. Let's get into the good. We're doing the good, the bad, the bacon tonight. Uh, the good stuff. Justice League trailer, Wonder Woman trailer. So I got to say both equally. Um, my partner in crime, again, uh, his name's James Massia. He was like, well, that Wonder Woman trailer really felt like Captain America done as a DC movie. That Captain America movie was like my favorite Marvel movie, so I'm like 100% on board. I'm on board with the period costumes. I'm on board. So now if anybody hasn't seen it, um, go, you know, go online. You'll be able to find it. Uh, again, coming back from San Diego, I didn't get a chance to post the trailers live to the website or Facebook, but it doesn't matter. I think you have the internet. I think you're going to be able to find it. Uh, Wonder Woman trailer, outstanding. First of all, she was the best part of Batman v Superman. There's no question about it. Um, she definitely set the stage. Uh, her movie looks and feels like it's going to be something different, something great. And it does have that period feel, but it feels... Again, look, if they even pull off half of what Captain America, um, the very first Avenger, the first Avenger movie, you know, the first Captain America they did, if they can pull off half of that then they're going to win because it's going to be light years better than anything else that they've that they've done. So right off the bat, Wonder Woman, boom, you're awesome. You're awesome. It's a great trailer. Go check it out. Justice League. What was the other best part, equally best part of Batman v Superman? It was Ben freaking Affleck, right? So what does Zack Snyder do? He wisely does two things in this trailer. And again, if you haven't seen the trailer, just type in Justice League trailer. You're going to see it. It's awesome. First of all, he features basically barely any Batman, which is okay. I mean, his Batman actually looked pretty cool, He, but he features Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne, which was the best part, which is hands down the best part of that entire movie. Uh, I mean, again, I said this before, and, I've, and, I, and I do uh, apologize to anyone if, I've, if I'm repeating myself, but the best, I, I mean, who would have thought the best part of the Batman-Superman movie 15 years later or 10 years later, 10 years after Daredevil, 12 years after... Uh, boy, Geely or Jersey Girl or any of those movies would be like, wow, Ben Affleck really, really owns it. But he does, and he he is by far better as Bruce Wayne than Christian Bale. Whether you think he's a better Batman, that, you know, uh, that I'll leave that up to judgment. Look, we can debate this all day long. There's going to be people on Christian Bale's side. There's going to be people on um, Michael Keaton's side. There's going to be people on Adam West's side, for, you know, for, all, for all we can say. But let's break down the Justice League trailer and why it was so great, though. First of all, again, you have Ben Affleck throughout. He's leading. He's basically the star of this trailer. He is leading us all into Justice League. Awesome. You see him with Wonder Woman. You know they have that relationship that's kind of building. They actually have a very good chemistry, too, that was kind of built in Batman v Superman. So now it's kind of spilled over, at least in the trailer, um, of Justice League. And that's kind of a really cool thought, right? So maybe there's something there. Maybe there's not. I mean, we know from the Wonder Woman trailer that Chris Pine is the man that steals Wonder Woman's heart. But that was like in World War One, So, you know, I'm sure that, I'm sure she wants to kind of get laid. I mean, look, she's an Amazon. I mean, I'm sure she's not going to go like 90 years without getting laid. So I'm sure that there might be something there. Bruce Wayne's a millionaire playboy. So look, there's something that could happen there. So Ben Affleck, awesome. He leads us through that entire movie. Second awesomest thing, look, Aquaman looks pretty effing dope, okay? Like, let's, let's just say it, let's just call it how it is right now. Aquaman looks dope. Like, he looks like he's, he's a freaking badass. Like, no, you know, apologies to Vinny Chase uh, from Entourage, but this is a dope Aquaman. This is, this is Kyle Droga from Game of Thrones playing Aquaman. And the scene where he's just getting pounded by the water, I mean, 
it's effing badass. Like, let's just, I mean, look, let's just call it as it is. It is, it is really cool. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. Um, again, we're broadcasting live on TalkingAlternative.com. Um, we're periscoping at Michael underscore Dolce. We're on Twitter doing that. We're on Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. So please, let me know your thoughts on those two trailers because that's, uh, right off the bat, those two things are great. The last thing that Justice League trailer did that was really, really great, and... Um, Look, we all know Zack Snyder's a heavy guy, right? I don't mean like literally heavy. He's actually kind of like really tiny and small. He's got good arms though. Like he's, he's built really well. But that's not what I'm talking about. He's a heavy guy. Like all his material, 300, blood, sword, guts, you know, heavy material, Watchmen. I mean, you're only, you're only interpreting the, um, you know, the, uh, what do you call, uh, the, the, you're only doing the, the most, I don't know, story graphic novel of all time in Watchmen you're only doing the you know the most it's an adaptation but I mean you're, you're adapting like the the king right I mean you're adapting like the king of all comic books so in that regard I think okay Zack Snyder definitely heavy heavy guy and Justice League trailer humor humor all throughout yeah look don't get me wrong this is not falling over my face humorous this is not you know, I'm laughing, you know, all the way to the Deadpool kind of kind of way. But I'm looking at it like, wow, this is actually, you know, again, really, really just really dope and really awesome. And I think in general, uh, look, they nailed it. They actually nailed it. Now, here's the other thing, though, right? I mean, look, Zack Snyder is also king of the movie trailer. So I'm not going to put too much stock in a movie trailer just yet. But considering the tonal shift that he's done in Justice League versus the tonal shift that he had in Batman v Superman. I'm going to say, um, you know, that in and of itself was a delight to kind of see. They, they kind of took it in a different angle. So it looks like it's going to be a bit of a different movie. It's going to be more fun. And isn't that what Marvel movies are about? Like Marvel movies are just fun, right? I mean, that's kind of why we love them so much. That's why we really, you know, we, re- we aspire to those Marvel, you know, to those Marvel movies. So that's... You know, hands down, great job, Zack Snyder. Great job, DC. Um, you nailed it in that in that sense. The third, um, um, it sounds. So, Suicide Squad is the last thing on the plate, right? And they did it. I don't know if they did a new trailer. I was saying this to Sam uh, earlier. Uh, Sam's my trusty engineer. I don't know if it's gonna be. I don't know what it's going to be, but I do have my inside sources who told me flat out that Deadpool was tracking amazing numbers, right? Deadpool is going through the roof. Now, I, of course, went on uh, this show and uh, declared that Deadpool was going to be a flop because I just thought it was going to be a flop in general because I'm, I'm you know, not very bright. I don't, I don't even know why you guys are tuned in to, to listen to me right now because, quite frankly, I don't know what I'm talking about. No. Um, he is saying to me that... that um, that movie, Suicide Squad, is tracking through the roof. Now, again, I don't know if it was a new trailer at Comic-Con. I don't know if it was, um, you know, what they were showing was anything different. But again, the tone and the action and the Will Smith, Phil Jackson triangle reference, like just everything, just it worked. Like it really worked. And all of a sudden, you know, we did a show a few uh, weeks ago, maybe months ago at this point, and it was like, do you have faith in the DC Universe? I gotta say, my faith is a little bit more restored now. Even... 
again, my partner in crime, James Massia, who is a diehard DC guy. I'm a Marvel guy by trade. I've always made that known. Like, I mean, I enjoy the DC movies. I enjoy uh, Batman. I enjoy some aspects of the DC universe. But quite frankly, I've always been a Marvel guy. That's what I'm reading. That's what I'm passionate about. Um, even he was like, hey, those don't suck. Like, those look good. Like, I could go to this movie with... I don't want to say expectations, because I think expectations are low, um, just based on the history. I mean, it has to be, right? I mean, at this point, expectations have to be low. But you can kind of sit there and go, you know what? This is going to be really great. So uh, another thing I kind of heard, though, and, uh, and I, do, I do feel uh, kind, of, kind of bad, um, but Suicide Squad director David Ayer, uh, who did Training Day, you know, apparently, I mean, he is is shitting bricks over this movie, though, because of the pressure that's now been thrust on him based on the failure of Batman v Superman. And look, it made half a billion dollars, but it failed. I mean, it basically cost that much to make and promote, and it and it, it came away with fans, again, questioning, can we make a successful DC movie? I don't know. I just don't know if you can. Um, or at least the people in charge, can they make a successful movie? We don't know. So there was something about that where to see a successful trailer, to see these, to see the hope and the promise, you know, maybe David Ayer is not, you know, maybe he's not worried as much as he was, you know, last month. They ended up, they did those reshoots and they claimed the reshoots was for action. And most people were like, well, no, you're probably doing it to make it more funny. So it's more like Deadpool. And then it kind of rubbed fans the wrong way. But I got it on good authority. They actually did amp up the action significantly because it... Basically, Warner Brothers is like, okay, this has to not be a small film anymore. This has to be a blockbuster tentpole film that does it. Now, again, from what I'm hearing, tracking through the roof. Uh, and I got to admit, I, I was not like into it. I'm, again, I'm not a DC guy, but Suicide Squad is so obscure anyway that, you know, why was I going to watch it? I don't know. I, I don't know. Now, seeing that third trailer... Excuse me, seeing the Comic-Con trailer, seeing how fun it looks, seeing how, you know, hot Margot Robbie looks. She's doing great as, as Harley Quinn. Um, you know, obviously, look, Jared Leto's Joker is going to be off the hook. Uh, whether or not you like it, whether or not it is, um, you know, iconic, like Heath, Led Heath Ledger's or Jack Nicholson, I don't know. But it's definitely something to behold. It's definitely something you're going to want to watch. So... Kudos to DC. You guys are the big, big winner. Now, we're not going to neglect Marvel in this, but um, I'm going to briefly talk about what Marvel did, uh, and then we'll address them again in the fourth segment, because what we have coming up next is we actually have Kevin Bacon. You know, just, just some guy. Just some guy named Kevin Bacon. You know, happens to be in, like, every single movie you've ever seen, ever. I am now, I am now a, uh, a second-degree separation. He said it. You'll hear that. Uh, so we have Kevin Bacon coming up, and I apologies apologies to all Periscope peeps who will not actually be able to hear that, but I do encourage you to go to TalkingAlternative.com, turn up the sound. You can still keep your video streaming on this lovely Duff man uh, that you see in the mirror. And look, we got we got some it's got some floating likes going on, which I like that in in the Facebook um, Facebook stream as well too. But yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna go through our Kevin Bacon interview, uh, and then we'll come back to Marvel. They didn't lose the weekend, and their booth was awesome. Um, but DC definitely beat him out, and you don't get to you don't get to say that very often. But all right, we'll we'll touch that uh, a little later in the show. Coming up next, we've got actor Kevin Bacon joined by his brother Michael Bacon. So Bacon brothers all around. Bacon's always good. You can't go wrong with Bacon. When we come back. <laughs> You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 
Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. Are you looking for a show where people talk about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Well, then you have come to the right place because The Rob and Callie Show is doing just that. For the last 10 years, Rob and I have been having our own version of Sunday morning therapy sessions on the phone, and now we're bringing it to the radio. So tune in and call in live Wednesdays, 8 to 8.30 on talkradio.myc. And that's Eastern Standard Time, so join us. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back. Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week. We do this on TalkingAlternative.com. I'm your host, Mike Dolce, which I guess I did not actually say at the beginning, but I just assume you all know who I am at this point. Because I'm pretty damn arrogant. Got to tell you. That's what it comes down to. Um, I'm arrogant a little bit today because I got to have a, a, a terrific, tremendous interview with a terrific, tremendous uh, actor and musician and his brother, who's also... You know, behind the scenes, kind of a genius himself, too. Um, Kevin Bacon uh, and his brother, Michael. They actually tour the country. They're, they are living the dream right now. They're in the driver's seat. No pun intended. Actually, pun totally intended because they have a new song called Driver. Um, and I got to interview them for, uh, for AM New York. And, uh, you know, I started the interview off essentially with just a backstory question for anybody who kind of isn't aware. Um, again, Michael uh, Bacon is a, actually does film scores. He's actually scored many, many famous films that you've seen. For, you know, they tend to actually have Kevin Bacon in them, too, because uh, Kevin Bacon's in every single movie. So, you know, chances are the Kevin Bacon, uh, Kevin Bacon, the Kevin Bacon Gene Hackman theory or the Michael Caine theory for anybody else out there who's a PCU fan uh, kind of gets that reference there. So first question, just give us a little backstory. What is the Bacon Brothers for those who don't know? I'll take that. This is Michael speaking. Uh, we started the band 20 years ago after spending most of our childhood and adulthood writing songs to get rich on for other people to record for Kevin's movies. But when we put the band together 20 years ago, we sort of um, changed our, our point of view musically and tried to come up with things that were probably more self-revelatory. And um, so when you came to see us, it wasn't kind of seeing a bunch of songs that we... Uh, filled up the titles and, and sat down and, and wrote. And the kind of band we put together was really focused on more of a singer-songwriter direction. And mm-hmm. since that time, the band has developed from four of us to six of us. Um, when we started out, we were driving around in my station wagon, and now we, we travel with a big crew, and we have what I consider to be a really good stage show. Um, and the kind of music is kind of acoustic rock. It goes, it runs the gamut from very kind of sensitive acoustic songs to kind of hard rock pieces and everything in between. 
a, the music is all original. They're all songs either Kevin and I wrote or he wrote and I wrote separately. Um, and, you know, it, we sometimes it's mandolins and accordions and, and acoustic guitars, and sometimes it's Hammond B3 and electric guitars and heavy drums. So, Yeah, so, I mean, who, uh, who would have thought, right, Kevin Bacon writing music, uh, in addition to all the wonderful films he's been in, I mean, my God, you, you go down the list to his very first, which was like Animal House, all the way up up the line, uh, even even his TV work, the following. Um, but yeah, he, he him and his brother do this. Now, I asked Kevin, was he at all intimidated working with his brother, who, again, his job is a professional musician. He scores films for movies. So obviously the musical bug in the family started with him. So is Kevin at all intimidated by working with his brother? You know, uh, my brother is so supportive of me musically, and he's not a person that really um, uh, plays the intimidation card. But mm-hmm. certainly, you know, putting the, um, you know, when when I first started, you know, getting into the idea of actually playing, you know, professionally in front of people, you know, I was definitely intimidated by that notion. Um, I'm still impressed with musicianship that I know that I will never be able to, uh, you know, obtain because, you know, the, a lot of the musicians, that, and certainly the guys in our band and my brother and the people that I come in contact with are those those people that have done their 10,000 hours of sitting in a room and, you know, just um, playing and playing and playing. And, and uh, my, 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 you know, for instance, you know, guitar playing skills are really more based on trying to learn how to... Um, write a song um so i don't really feel uh intimidated anymore so much as i feel just impressed by what um uh the my brother and the people in the in the band and the other musicians that we've come in contact over the years um can can offer and i've learned a tremendous amount i mean a tremendous amount from and I asked them, uh, you know, in their busy schedules, how do they exactly find the time to be a band? I mean, that's sometimes like a full-time commitment in and of itself. So, I'll take that one. I, I, it's kind of elusive because since we never really intended to form a band, it's sort of the band formed us, and it's still kind of that way. And um, I think one of the reasons that we still do it, if I can speak for both of us, is that in as you say our day jobs we are kind of a part of a team of people that are trying to create in my brother's uh, case a a successful film and in my case a successful tv program or film so that the music impacts it but that means you're basically working with other people and you're um you know you have to make compromises you have to uh, you sort of have to fight for your existence and when it comes to the band it's really not like that it's kind of it's it's there for us it's we own it we um, we write all the music, and if we want to do it, we do it. If we don't want to do it, we don't do it. So um, it's kind of a, a great luxury that um, that I think we both have, and the band represents that. I guess it's a sense of freedom. And the other thing is, I think that um, we're just we've gotten better. And I love the idea of what we were when we started as songwriters and, and musicians, and what the band sounded like to cut to today, where I think it's really developed, and I think we have not a large group of fans, but a small group of fans that come out to hear us pretty much anywhere over the country and, and know the songs and, and uh, you know, really like the sound of the band. They have a new uh, song out called Driver, and uh, Kevin Bacon was the one who wrote it. So, Mr. Bacon, how did you uh, come up with the idea for Driver? You know, Driver is a very um, uh, simple song that I, I 
I wrote it as a um, kind of a complicated story, but we have a um, we do uh, familiar with the, the Secret Santa um, concept. Yes. So there's six of us in the family, and a few years ago we decided that it was just crazy to try to keep buying presents for everyone. It was just overwhelming because we have extended families and kids, and you know it was yeah it was too, Christmas thing was getting to be too much. So somebody suggested the Secret Santa. And then over the course of time, we sort of got tired of that. That was we, too much, too. That was too much, too. So <laughs> we just said, you know what, let's not, let's just stop with the presents thing, you know, to me. And I was a big, uh, you know, I'm all about that. I, I, I like to get my kids presents, but that's, and my wife, I'll get her a little something, but I just, it's too overwhelming. So um, then my sister came up with this idea that she wanted to, uh, instead of Secret Santa, have us, just the six of us, create something for each other, whether it was a poem or a you know, photographic album or a drawing or you know, just something that was personal to, to that person. And I had my um, sister Hilda this year, and this song just kind of popped into my head. Uh, and I made a you know, kind of funky demo of it and sent it to her. Um, and so it's really kind of about her, but, but but I think the song, and I don't even go into that in the live show because I kind of feel like the songs also sort of exist just as kind of like a memory of um, summer love, you know. And yep. uh, every, everyone's kind of been, you know, in love at some point in the, in the summer. And, and so that's really, what it, that's really what it's about. And then finally on the music front, um, asked... I asked them basically what their plans were for the new album uh, coming up because obviously if you got a new song you usually tend to have a new album but uh, this is what they told us. Yeah, I think piecing it together is what we're into now and you know I'm I, I just the the whole music business today I, you know I I went into the music business in 1969 and I'm so baffled by the way everything works and I'm just kind of I think the only thing in common with the the music business that I entered so long ago is that. The real key is to make an incredible record, and whatever it'll find its own way. And I've seen that many, many times. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's the right song, and what we used to call it, if it's in the grooves, of, in this case, a vinyl record, um, it'll make its own way. And uh, I think if you don't put stuff out, then it has no chance, and it has a, a very small chance if you do put it out. But at least you have a chance. And you know, when we're touring. And, and people are hearing the song, and uh, we're doing interviews, and people are spinning it on the radio. Then you know, that's we're hoping that it'll kind of make its own way and and uh, give us a little structure about what we should be doing. Otherwise, we'll just kind of wait until we've got ten or eleven songs and and put them all together and put in another CD. Fun fact about Kevin Bacon: he was in a band called Footloose. Go figure. So I asked I asked uh, Kevin if he had any recollection of this. That. That's true. That's true. Uh, long before the movie, you know, I was probably about, uh, gosh, twelve or something like that. And uh, it was I was a I was playing percussion, you know, in a backup band for a guy named um, Jet Brown, and uh, it was it was Jet Brown and Footloose. And then I asked if it was karma that he came across the script for uh, Footloose uh, at such a young age, uh, having been in that band. However, 
Do you know I really forgot? I really forgot about it <laughs> until quite a few years later um, that I had I had done that, and uh, I, I, I can't remember what made me kind of remember. But I, I, I no, I didn't. I, I, I didn't. I didn't put. He didn't put uh, two and two together, is what he was actually saying. Um, then I finally asked him, you know, what uh, what kind of, you know, when are we going to see him on screen again, and, and what kind of uh, work is he up to these days when it's outside of music? And this is the project that he was talking about. I just did a uh, pilot for Amazon, a television pilot. Okay. Uh, which Hi, is called... What, yep. Sorry? It's Hi, called I Love Dick. <laughs> and... Um, it's uh, I, I I'm I'm really I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be great. It, Amazon does this crazy thing where they um, they put the pilot up on August 19th, and then everybody can you know decide if they like it or not. And then I guess they just, Amazon decides whether or not they want to you know continue. So uh, that's that's happening in August. So so you know I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the reactions to it. Very cool. We've, uh, we've seen some already when. When Kevin, when we'll be interviewed by some, you know, beautiful young newscaster, and and she'll say, "What are you working on?" Kevin will say, "I love Dick." (laughs) 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 Actually, saw him on Fox Five recently, and he had that exact same reaction. I think it was, uh, uh, what's his name on uh, on Fox in the Morning, uh, Kelly. I think, um, and and he just asked him, and he basically just, yeah, he's like, "I love Dick." Yeah. So that is the show he's working on. We also got interrupted by the publicist as it's happening. Figure it's like the most important question, like what are you working on? Publicist comes in, in there. So finally, and this is the most important thing, and this is what all my uh, listeners are hoping uh, can now happen thanks to them listening to this interview that I w- was able to do. Uh, six degrees of separation of Kevin Bacon. Uh, where do we fall in that in that tapestry? And, and what does it actually mean to him? Does he revel in this uh, notion that this, this kind of game has formed way before the Internet? made anything go viral i mean his the six degrees of kevin bacon is something that went viral before anything before the term viral had even a notion of existing so i asked him about that if he revels in it does he hate it you know what does he think about it no you know i don't i don't i don't really i don't i don't know if i revel in it so much but but um but it's you know it's fine it's one of those things that uh it's just there it's it's it 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 doesn't show any signs of going away and i think that the idea is actually sort of a, a powerful one because if you take me out of it, you know, everybody wants to be connected. That's what mm-hmm. Facebook is about and Twitter and, and Instagram. It's all about finding connections between people. Um, now are, we, are we technically one degree now that I'm interviewing you, or is it six? I don't, technically, I don't know no. <laughs> no, technically we have to be in a film together if you really want to get technical. Gotcha. But if, but if, you, but if, you, if, if you'd like to consider yourself one degree, as far as I'm concerned, that's fine. Kevin Bacon was very gracious to to be inclusive uh, of me, uh, as I was like, no, 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 let's 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 call it. I'm, I should be, but he was. Look, he is spot on when he says I'm supposed to be in a movie with him. So, Mr. Bacon, let's make this happen here. Look, you got my number. You know where I'm at. I'll make a great extra in the back. All right, when we come back, we're going to put a bow on this uh, this wonderful episode, this Comic Con 2016 hangover. Um, I want to take it from Marvel's point of view and why they. Had a great weekend, but just not as great as DC. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. Uh, if you ever, if anybody likes the music out there too, considering this was a little bit of a music-themed episode along with the Comic-Con stuff, you can go to my SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash Secrets of the Sire. You can actually download that track. You can download the opening track. Um, I'm going to put some more stuff as time goes on as well too. But uh, again, that was our music slash movie interview uh, with Kevin Bacon. Um, go check out on Amazon, The Pilots, I Love Dick. That's a great one. So uh, definitely check out that title. It's a it's an attention grabber uh, for anyone out there. But again, I thank uh, thank the people behind uh, Kevin Bacon and his brother Michael as well, Patty DeVry, for setting that up. And uh, thank you to AM New York for also uh, you know making me seem legitimate enough to uh, get Kevin Bacon. Yeah, rock on. All right, we're talking Comic Con 2016. But before we do, Secrets of the Sire. It's brought to you by the Plan 10 Kickstarter. Now, Plan 9 from Outer Space was a colossal failure. In 1959, it was Ed Wood. So if you guys have ever saw the movie Ed Wood with Johnny Depp, uh, you know, it, that's part of it. I mean, it's, it is a cult classic. It was in the Seinfeld episode, The Chinese Restaurant, where they were waiting to go to eat before they were going to go see Plan 9. Uh, people screen Plan 9 across the country. So it is hugely cult popular now. However, our Kickstarter is just colossally flopping. Like, we are like 13% funded. And, uh, you know, Sam, my trusty engineer, is like, you should get some more social media. I'm like, dude, we're everywhere. Like, it's it's... It is the most publicized and most, uh, we did a press release. It got picked up on like 80 different websites. Uh, we got publications on Newsarama. I mean, I do the comic The Sire. It's about a superhero forced by his own costume to fight evil. And, you know, nothing that I do with, with that gets the kind of media attention. But meanwhile, I got a successful Kickstarter funded for Sire. Uh, my initial Kickstarter, The Undone, uh, about a guy who can rewind time. It's kind of Groundhog's Day meets Wolf of Wall Street. That got funded as well, too. No media. Got no media. It was all grassroots. People really liked it. So maybe either people dislike Plan 9 or they just think that it's following in the same footsteps. Who knows? Either way, go to, go to Kickstarter.com. Check out Plan 10. You can check out the worst Kickstarter ever made because, quite frankly, it just, it's not going to get funded. It's just not going to get funded. Um, kind, of, kind of hilarious considering the back history of the movie. But anyway... We're going to put a bow on the uh, Comic-Con 2016. Now, as you can tell, or maybe you can't tell, I don't know. Maybe I'm just so full of energy all the time that there's no mistaking. I'm actually pretty tired. Uh, I took the red eye back on Monday night. Uh, funny Comic-Con story, though. So if you ever do go to a Comic-Con and I'm there, please come up to me and talk to me because it'll make me feel validated and important, and I like that. I like feeling as if uh, I matter to somebody. 
we do get 15,000 streams a month now, which is fantastic. So really, you know, all combined with Facebook, with Periscope, with Talking Alternative, with the, with the podcast afterwards. Um, you know, and there's actually like some people with like tin cans that literally, you know, they're outside the window here. They kind of just broadcast it out to the city. So I'm counting that. And that's like the bulk of our, of our ratings. But no, uh, no, we, we actually, we are out there. So please come up to me if you see me to Comic-Con. Um, you'll also see me at the bar afterwards. I'm definitely, I, I love the art of networking. Uh, one time my wife, when we would go, she came with me to C2E2 a few years ago. And it was like one of the first away trips i'll call it away trips we went to baltimore together baltimore's kind of a smaller show uh we didn't kind of really go nuts at that one but um c2e2 she came with me she was out in chicago she got to tour chicago then she kind of complained to me she's like you know what are we doing later i'm like well we're gonna go to the hotel bar she's like we're in freaking chicago and we're gonna stay we're gonna be at a hyatt you know hotel bar like why are we doing that and i'm like well because it's it's business she's like no you're just drinking and i said no no it's both it's business and it's drinking and it's it's a fun thing so my funny story from san diego this weekend was i was at the hyatt bar there's a hyatt everywhere and that seems to be where everyone seems to congregate um whether it be in chicago whether it be in fact chicago comic-con used to be at um rosemont i mean it still is but there's two chicago comic-cons and both of them have a hyatt so no matter what it you uh, there's a comic-con and a hyatt I'm probably there. I'm going to have to track down the New York uh, Hyatt that everyone's going to be at, even though that doesn't exist. But, you know, who knows? Maybe it, maybe it does get right. Maybe it's in Grand Central Terminal. Uh, so anyway, so I'm, I'm there, and, and I'm definitely, look, I am a lightweight right now. i got a five-month-old son at home. Uh, I actually, you know, I was telling somebody it's, it's actually kind of embarrassing, but, uh, you know, I'm too drunk to notice, so it doesn't matter. But I, we, we're, we're clawing our way, and we had just gone to the Cat Eye Club, uh, which was a tiki bar club in uh, in downtown San Diego. The Gaslight District was awesome. We were, you know, definitely uh, enjoying ourselves there. Ended up going back to the Hyatt Bar, which is where all the comic book creators kind of circulate. A lot of a lot of people in general get up there. We're starving. Like we're we're just absolutely starving. And the uh, waiter, I I've, of course just obnoxiously flag him down. And I'm like, you know, he wasn't our waiter. He was just kind of servicing all the table. I'm like, what do I do to get food here? And he's like, well, you have to sit at a table. Okay, great. Nice. I, I look around. There's a table. There's an empty table with a uh, an, uh, very attractive woman and a very nervous-looking guy. And I, I decide to just plant myself there. I don't recognize them, so obviously they can't be that important, or maybe I'm not that important, or maybe I just don't care. So I plot myself down there, and I'm talking to these two, uh, two individuals. Turns out the one woman's a producer. Um, she, uh, she does a lot of stuff with uh, Netflix and Marvel and things like that, and she's actually the producer of a, of a small film. And the guy just happens to be the screenwriter of Lights Out, Lights Out is number three at the box office this past weekend. It was like a $4 million movie. I'm just guesstimating the numbers. It was really low. Ended up making like 20-something million in its opening weekend. This guy's having a really good Friday night or Saturday night, whatever night it was at the bar. And he's actually even sitting there saying, yeah, you know, I can actually, once tomorrow, it was Friday night. So once tomorrow is over, I can actually rest easy because I'm sitting on... I wrote a movie that is making gobs of money. And uh, then his wife actually comes over. And his wife, turns out she works for Netflix. She not works for Netflix like she's like in the customer service department at Netflix, like mailing out DVDs. Like she writes for Punisher, uh, among other things. So we're going to hopefully have them on uh, at a later date. I, of course, plug the show in a inebriated state. Um, and I made some, made some new friends. So that's what Comic-Con's all about. It's about making new friends. Uh, Marvel didn't quite make any new friends. They didn't have to. They did a nice job on their own of just kind of releasing what they normally release. They did show scenes from the Doctor Strange movie um, in the Hall H, and it was it was a you know 
it was a good scene till the Swinton Swinton was there. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was there. So they, I mean, they went through and they did that. Uh, they had the Guardians of the Galaxy two cast. Um, my uh, my friend Darren Sanchez, who works for Marvel, was actually working the booth, so he got to meet all these guys. He ended up getting to meet Stan Lee too, and he took a picture with him. So that was kind of cool on his part. Uh, but overall, like Guardians of the Galaxy two, they didn't show any new footage. They still haven't shown any new footage. They showed concept sketches and Scott concept art. You know, again. It just it just felt a little flat. Like they just nothing was that exciting all the way around. It was it was partially exciting. There was partially some good stuff. Um, they had. Um, I apologize to all my Facebook viewers out there who uh, we lost the feed, but uh, you know is what it is. Uh, we had Game of Thrones, but you didn't have the heavy hitters. You had um, Sophie Turner, who's maybe the biggest name that was there. And that's, you know, that's all well and good, but they're not even filming right now. They can't film. It's win- It's literally not winter, but it is winter in the story, so they're waiting for winter to film. So nothing really big there. Uh, Star Trek had a premiere. Um, a good buddy of mine actually shot the, the red carpet footage. Uh, really cool event. It was an IMAX event in, behind the convention center on the marina. Really cool stuff. Oh, you know, terrific stuff all around, but then that's all you kind of heard about. Uh, Star Trek Beyond, nothing beyond that. So there was that. 50th anniversary, they did. They mentioned the uh, the unveiling of the new Star Trek series. They named the title. I mean, that's pretty much all they kind of did. You know, uh, Star Trek Discovery. You know, it's only going to air on CBS for a little while, and then it actually um, ends up uh, going direct to digital after that too. So it's you know. Again, all these things where if I'm able to walk the show floor and not feel claustrophobic and not feel like I'm completely overwhelmed by everything that's going on. Now, we, my wife and I actually went to the one in 2012. That was the last one I was at. And that's what, I mean, on a Thursday night, it was pandemonium. Thursday night, it was, it was people being interviewed up in like two-tier booths. And some of the booths still had the two tiers. They had the, you know, exclusive access. They had all this stuff. But for the most part... It just didn't have that feel. Now, whether or not next year is going to be different, who knows? Maybe, again, maybe it was just the fact that around the town now has become just as big as on the convention floor. I mean, maybe it's just a better deal for some of these guys. I mean, that could easily be the case as well. I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure what it is. But at the end of the day, did it feel like Comic-Con? Yes, but it kind of felt like any other kind of convention too. And it it shouldn't. That's not what Comic-Con should feel like. It should feel like this... This spectacle, this, oh my God, anything can happen kind of thing. Now, my buddy Mike Martz, who's been on the show as well, did post to Facebook that he saw a hotel fight. I was not there. I was not part of that hotel fight. Uh, unfortunately, I just don't, yeah, I just don't have the stamina to even duel in a, in a hotel fight. So, um, But that's my thoughts. I would love to hear you guys' thoughts. You can always ping me at Secrets of the Sire. Go to Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. Go to SecretsofTheSire.com. Go to Instagram. You can check out some of my sketches, some of my prints. Um, next show we'll be at will actually be called Artisticon. It will be in New Jersey. It'll be in September. We'll have the uh, creators of Artisticon, uh, the the. Uh, people actually, Mark Poulton um, and Chris Kostakis. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna mispronounce his name completely, but I'm gonna give him a shout out there. But they'll be on in a couple weeks. We're gonna have them on in September. Um, definitely got some really great guests lined up though as well. We got um, next week though is gonna be a cool one. In two weeks we got Mitch Hyman, creator of Bubba the Redneck Werewolf, which is taking off like wildfire. Uh, he's got the movie that's being screened across the country. It's really cool. Mitch is actually a good friend of mine. He has gone, and he'll tell you. He'll tell you his life story. I mean, it is it is quite 
uh, <laughs> quite entertaining in how he has just kind of he's been everywhere. He's been dirt poor. He's been the indie talk of the town, and then he's been dirt poor again. Like I mean, he just basically it, it just goes. I mean, I can't even tell you like the kind of stories he can tell you. Awesome guy, and everything's really, really hitting home. Um, you know, I'll have to ask him about one thing he said about me, which I thought was really kind of funny. Called me a mascot at one point, but I'm not sure what he meant by that. Next week, we're going to have Tony Southcott from Human Echoes Podcast joining us. We're going to talk Suicide Squad. Human Echoes Podcast, basically, they're 200 episodes in. They kind of do what we do. We talk movies, books, geek-related stuff. Um, and uh, so Tony's going to join me next week, and we're going to talk Suicide Squad. We're going to talk Harley Quinn. We're going to fix our Facebook stream so it doesn't cut out seven minutes to go. Uh, I actually did that in Comic-Con, too, so I apologize to everyone. But at the same time, I'm hungover, guys. It's just, Comic-Con is just a draining experience. It's an all-week experience. So it's good to be back in New York City. Secrets of the Sire. We'll see you next week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.